Well, as things currently sit, OU has a top 10 class for 2024. They have a top 5 class for 2025. And I'm guessing when the rankings are updated, they're going to have a top 5 class in 2026 as well. How about it? Uh, Come on down, four-star running back Jonathan Hatton. This was not on the radar today. Nope. I'm guessing this is what Hayes Fawcett was tweeting earlier today that everyone was going crazy about. It's Winery! It's Brett Wesco! Come on down. Nope, it's a 2026 running back. Top five running back in the 2026 class, but yeah, that's, that's not what I was expecting today. Man, Teddy Lehman will love this. He's the number 69 overall player oh, in the nation. Oh, beautiful. In the 2026 Destined class for stardom. Rankings. Destined for stardom. Top five running back in the 26th class. Can he play this weekend, by the way? <laughs> Kidding a little bit. Well, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Six foot one, 203 pounds from San Antonio. Looks like he chose OU over Nebraska, Texas Tech, and some others. What can you tell us about four star running back Jonathan Hatton? Yeah, well, again, don't take the uh, mediocrity of the offer sheet as a sign that this kid isn't really good because he is really good. It's just with running backs. A lot of programs will take a more patient approach, and they'll wait for some sophomores. It's kind of like quarterbacks, right, because it's such an important position on the field. You can only take one or two in pretty much every single class, and so you really got to be scrupulous about how you evaluate and recruit the running back position. This was an eval that DeMarco Murray was comfortable in, was comfortable with, I should say, made the offer earlier this spring based off of freshman tape and decided, you know what? This is the guy, this is one of the guys that we want to target at running back in the 2026 cycle, and we're all right taking his commitment, making this a committable offer, and uh, pursuing him to be part of our class. And that pursuit didn't take long. Let me tell you, he was on campus Saturday, and I guess that sealed the deal. Sheesh. (laughs) I was like, Tuesday after, he's he's ready to go. He's ready to be locked in and committed here. And, yeah, San Antonio – has that been a hotbed for OU recruiting in the past? I'm trying to think of other players from San Antonio. Thomas Lott was from San Antonio. Uh, Trevor and Connor Knight were from San Antonio. Jacob Gutierrez Goot, is from, was from <laughs> San Antonio as well. I'm trying to think of any former Sooners from the uh, city of San Antonio. But I, I don't know if it's necessarily been a hotbed in the past, but you've been uh, – You've been somewhat active there in the past uh, 50, 60 years or so in recruiting. But you get a top five running back, and maybe once we uh, start talking a lot more about the 26th class, I'm guessing this guy has a chance to be the Taylor Tatum of that class, and what I mean is the number one running back in 26. I'm sure he'll have a chance at that. Already ranked in the top five. Yeah, again, nobody knows the running back position quite like DeMarco Murray, having played it at such a high level and for as long as he did, so... If this is a guy DeMarco Murray is comfortable taking a commitment from as a sophomore in high school, odds are he's going to be pretty special. Uh, Dimitri Flowers, also from San Antonio, according to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Yeah. Travis Lewis is from San Antonio. Okay. They, they, they've, got, they've got a couple, a few dudes out of San Antonio before. Yeah. Uh, it's not, not a hotbed. I'm not, I don't think San Antonio has been a hotbed for OU football recruiting. But there's been some good players uh, come out of that city before. Let's get optimistic, shall we? Oh, boy. Is anyone oh having boy. Here comes the sunshine pumping. Yeah, let's, let's get a little sunshine in here. It's a little gloomy today, all right? It's Tuesday of OU Texas week. Uh, text line, let's get it fired up, 405-651-3439. Give us one thing 
that makes you optimistic about OU's chances on Saturday? Just one thing, and I bet everyone can come up with one thing that gets you optimistic on Saturday, but what is it? What makes you feel good that OU is going to roll down there as a six-and-a-half-point favorite and win this game? Which, by the way, I was, um, I was wondering why the spread has seemingly gotten larger. I looked on scoresandodds.com yesterday, and as of like 5.30, 95% of the money was on Texas. 95% of the money. I don't know if that's changed or not. I'll actually check here in a couple of minutes. But, dude, that is insane. 95% of the money Gosh, on one side. I, I, there's a conversation that I'm replaying in my head. And for the life of me, I cannot remember who I had this conversation with. Or else I'd love to give them credit. But whoever I was having this conversation with said that uh, they have an acquaintance who is basically a professional gambler. Like, they make their living gambling. And the one rule that also they abide as by... A de- as a degenerate. Okay, yes. sure, yeah. <laughs> the one rule that they abide by in betting is they only bet on games where 80% or more of the money is on the other team. Fade the public. It's a good Fade strategy. Fade the public. So, by that logic... You like where OU stands heading into Saturday. 95% yesterday. I just checked, Parker. 91% of the money is still on UT. 84% of the bets. 91% of the money on Texas. So, yeah, there you go. There's something to be optimistic about. The public sucks, and everyone is leaning towards Texas and uh, giving those points this weekend. So, there's there's my optimism right there. The public is going to be dead wrong on this one. And I still think that... You know, when people are picking this game nationally or people are betting on this game nationally, I feel like there's still a sense of last year's team being what people think of when they look at this year's OU's team. And I guess, I I don't know if that's fair. I mean, OU just hasn't played a great schedule up to this point, so for a lot of people, there's still some unknown. But I, I'm sure a lot of people still look at this OU team and say, ah, they were 6-7 and seven last year. They're not any good. They're, they're better, but they're not that much better than last season. Yeah, can we, can we just take a moment to acknowledge that with a win on Saturday, Oklahoma could equal their win total from 2022? <laughs> yes. And the season ain't even half yeah, over. Bowl people. eligibility will happen a lot faster than what it did last year, huh? Uh-huh. Took towards like the end of November a year ago. They'll get it in uh, mid-October this year. Uh, Cherokee Sooner says two words that make him confident. Wide receiver. Texas can't keep up with our boys. LFG, Tuck, Fexes, Sark sucks, and needs to be fired. That's um, something we were talking about yesterday on The Rush, man, is when people talk about this game nationally, one of the first things they'll probably bring up outside of Quinn Ewers is Texas wide receiver core, and they're good. But I just don't think OU's wide receiver core is that far behind Texas wide receiver core. OU's wide receiver core is rather good, in my opinion, at this point. Oklahoma's wide receiver core, more than anything else, I think what stands out to me about it is that it's deep right now. Deep with capable playmakers. And in years past, you've had a guy or two. You've always had a guy or two that you can count on, whether that be CeeDee Lamb Marvin Mims, uh, Hollywood Brown for a moment in time, Charleston Rambo. But with the amount of guys, the sheer amount of guys that have made plays for this program at that position over the first five games, again, not all of these guys are going to be able to sustain 
their contributions in this offense over the course of a full season. But if you have four or five receivers that are making plays and that Dylan Gabriel trusts to float the ball up to every single Saturday, then that opens things up so significantly for your offense. And there's a level of trust with Dylan Gabriel and these receivers right now that wasn't there a year ago. And I think that's helped Gabriel's play a ton because the only guy that he could really trust to go make a competitive catch last year was Marvin Mims. And and he still had some mistakes last year. He had some drops that you're still um, puzzling from a year ago. But, yeah, think to, you know, the past few times that OU's won this game, you could argue that the star of the day was a wide receiver for OU. Whether it was Marvin Mims in 2017 coming up with competitive catch after competitive catch. And then how about 2019 CeeDee Lamb having one of the best individual games and individual efforts that I've seen in my lifetime in an OU Texas game with those three touchdowns and him making seven, eight Texas defenders miss on his way to the end zone. So wide receiver play has been very, very critical for OU in its past few wins over Texas. So, yeah, I, 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 I like um, – I like where OU's at right now at receiver, and isn't it kind of interesting that this offense is almost flipped from what we thought it was going to be going into the year, or at least our question marks? Wide receiver was a question mark, right? Now it's the strength of the offense. Running back and wide receiver, we felt good. Now those are the question marks of the offense. It's seemingly kind of flipped from what we thought going into game one. Uh, Let's see, Chris from, or excuse me, Kyle from Chickasha says, for me it's easy, quarterback. Our backups last year were not ready for that type of game, to say it nicely. I think Gabriel will do well and not make too many mistakes. Booma. You know, I, I think that there's some good reasons to be confident in Dylan Gabriel going into this game, even though it's his first OU Texas game and people like to make a lot of that. I like the way that he's running the ball right now, Parker, and I don't know if I'm the only one on that. I don't expect him to break a 65-yard run. But what he's given you in the run game, outside of that fumble against Cincinnati the past couple of weeks, I think has uh, been a big factor for this offense. I really like the way you ran the ball against Iowa State. Has Dylan Gabriel had a turnover this year that was just blatantly, objectively his fault? Well, he's only had two, right? The, ter- he's, he's the, the interception, uh, The interception at Tulsa, the fumble at Cincinnati, and then the interception this past Saturday. Yeah, the interception on Saturday arose from miscommunication. It looked like Jalil Farouk ran the wrong route. At least that was uh, what the conversation between Gabriel and Farouk coming off the field would have indicated. The fumble, man, I, I get that Dylan Gabriel's ultimately the one that coughed up the ball, but Marcus Major completely whiffed on that block that allowed Gabriel to get sandwiched there between two defenders. And then, gosh, what happened on the pick against? Oh yeah, Gavin Freeman got interfered with, and you got to. No At least call. I yeah. thought so. Yeah, yeah, no, no. no. It, watching the replay, that was pass interference that wasn't called. So, I, Dylan Gabriel has been exceptional this year at keeping the ball out of harm's way, and that to me is an advantage he has over Quinn Ewers going into this weekend. If you're going to trust a quarterback to not make bad decisions and not lose the turnover battle for his team, there's going to be more trust in that regard in Dylan Gabriel than there is in Quinn Ewers. Johnny H says, haven't heard Petaway's number lately. Yeah, um, opportunities are just kind of <laughs> hard to come by at wide receiver right now, especially for a – well, I, especially for a true freshman. I think Petaway has a bright future. It's just um, who, who do you want to take reps away from right now? I, I don't want to take any away from Nick Anderson – 
Farouk or Andrew Anthony, I can tell you that much. Yeah, well, and that's the tough thing about it is, gosh, I remember getting asked about Brennan Thompson at this time last week, and I was like, look, I, I'd love to see Brennan Thompson using that speed downfield, but who do you – who do you spell with Brendan Thompson at this point? Well, the Sooners found a way to get Brendan Thompson involved, and based on the plays he made Saturday, most specifically that 54-yard reception, he's going to continue to get opportunities here and there. But I, I don't think anybody should be looking at this wide receiver room right now and wondering, well, why isn't this guy getting more snaps? Why isn't this guy getting more snaps? The reality is you have a ton of guys that deserve way more snaps than they're getting. There's simply not enough snaps to go around. A lot of uh, defense texts are coming in right now, and I agree with that. I don't, I'm not uh, projecting the defense to be perfect on Saturday, but they're going to have their moments, Parker. I just remember the opening play from the 2021 game. Oh, do I? Where they just throw a little wide receiver bubble, and I don't even know if he got touched. It's like <laughs> 75 yards to the end zone. And then after that, Texas just throw a deep ball after deep ball and hitting on them for scores. It's just not going to come that easy this Gosh, time around. I, I remember that first play vividly because I was situated in the back right corner of the Oklahoma end zone with my camera lens. So when Xavier Worthy caught that pass, I basically got like a direct shot like right <laughs> at him. And it was pretty much pretty much the second he stiff-armed Jaden Davis there, five yards yep. beyond the line of scrimmage, I realized, oh boy, there is no one between me and Xavier Worthy. Now, that game was awesome. Maybe the, my most favorite sporting event, like, game I've ever attended in my life before. But, dude, the first, like, really the first 15 minutes, but especially the first, like, five minutes of that game sucked. Yeah, pretty miserable. Like, you get kind of settled into your seat, you know, whatever. All right, the game starts. They score on the first play. I think you go, like, three and out. They block a punt, and then they score a play or two later. It's like, I just sat down, and they're already down 14 nothing. What is this? What is this? And as you pointed out yesterday, yes, for the first time in a few years, they need to get off to a better start. They they got to get off to a much better start on Saturday. An Arkansas listener, early. an Arkansas listener, not Ethan Downsater, who has been blocked. Mm. An Arkansas listener says, if Tawi Walker has twenty carries, OU wins. Period. He is clearly mm. the best back, and I don't understand why he is not playing the majority of the snaps. I. I would I, I first off I agree with the assertion that Tawi Walker is the best back right now. He's averaging five point one yards per carry. Marcus Major is averaging three point nine. Tawi Walker is doing more with his opportunities than Major is. But I think you have to take a wait and see approach given the cogs that you have in the backfield. Because if Texas is winning the battle in the trenches, if they're getting the push up front, you need somebody that's going to be able to get outside the tackles and make stuff happen in the open field and get to the perimeter. Tawi Walker is not that guy. If your offensive line is getting the push, though, and you're winning the battle up front, and you're consistently driving the Longhorns back at the point of attack, absolutely, you feed Tawi Walker the rock, because that is conducive to what he can do. Local Ohio says three words, Danny Blanking Stutzman, Booma, 918, Tyler, say it, man, Texas sucks. Texas sucks, yes, it is uh, 218 Central Time, Central Standard Time. And Texas still sucks. Let's talk some OU recruiting. Let's talk some OU Texas coming up next. Right here on The Ref, we are the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live on The Ref, we are the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and of course the Ref Army listening worldwide as well via the free KREF app. Just search KREF in the App Store. And that's important if you don't have the Ref app already. You're going to want that when you're driving down to uh, Dallas on Friday. Best way to listen to all of our coverage 
Friday before OU Texas pre and post game. Uh, all of the action, all of the coverage that we have for you surrounding OU Texas. Emporia, Kansas is tuned in today. Cave Creek, Arizona. Waxahachie, Texas. San Francisco, California. Clarksville, Tennessee. Miami, Florida. Rosemount, Minnesota. Johnson City, Illinois. And for the small town of the day this week, I should have started this yesterday, but whatever, we're starting it today. I'm going to pick out a small town um, from a former Sooner who made a big play in this game previously. So let's start off with Tuttle, Oklahoma, as our small town of the day. I think you all know who hails from Tuttle and made a big play or two in this game before. Didn't they name the stadium after him out there? Uh, I don't know if they named the stadium. I know his name's on the water tower there. There So basically the same thing, right? Maybe they named the stadium after him. Tuttle, Oklahoma, our small town of the day. Ref Army Locator brought to you by Affordable Door Company. They compromise on the price, but not on the quality. Visit them online at affordabledoor.net or call 405-635-9499. That's 405-635-9499. What did you think of the press conference today? Brent, very guarded uh, against headline uh, quotes at this point. I loved that answer to that quote. Well, look, as a reporter, you love having more access to coaches and players. So more access versus less access. As a reporter, you always want more access. But obviously, Brent only made four players available this week, four seniors at that. And And they've been great at making a ton of players available throughout throughout the season. Yeah, Yeah. fantastic. (laughs) Brent got asked about it today, and his answer was basically – Look, we approach it the same way. Y'all don't. Y'all are always fishing for sound bites that are going to be bulletin board fodder for OU Texas. I was like, you know what? I I feel that. That's that's real. I I, I see where you're coming from. But he's very guarded against the uh, the headline quote. That's gonna yeah yeah he's yeah. he doesn't want any part of that. Well, and again, any part like, of it, especially if you just lost forty nine to zero last year, you don't want any younger players that aren't as experienced with the media popping off with some quote that the Texas reporters and the Texas media scene are going to run with. Because everyone is circling like sharks, yes. just waiting for something to happen, just waiting for something to happen and, the, and to jump on it. And that's what. That's what happened. So I'm guessing uh, on that, no one, none of the four seniors said anything controversial last night at practice, did they? Well, I put it this way. If they had, you'd know about it no, by now. That's true. Yeah, 100%. By the way, um, just know that you made me – I don't know if it was you or someone else at OU Insider. Just know that I wasn't expecting it, and you really made me laugh earlier. I was going back through the press conference – and you guys logged the press conference with each question, and you or somebody else at like the 14-minute mark put hashtag talk about, and I knew exactly who that was in <laughs> reference to, and I was back there prepping for the show, and yeah, I laughed hard. I don't, I don't, know, if that was, I don't know if that was you or not. But I'm that glad was somebody got a kick out of that. <laughs> uh, rivals, um, they, they uh, actually, I think this is 24-7, they just have uh, you know national reporters who, they, they kind of do a cool thing every Monday or Tuesday. Here's all the players that we saw over the weekend, and here's a short paragraph on what we thought. And one of the players they got to see over the weekend, four-star safety Jaden Hardy in the state of Texas. Now, we don't haven't heard much from Jaden Hardy, hadn't brought him up just because he's been committed for so long, 
but it says Hardy was quiet for most of the night as Capel elected to stay away from his side of the field. He also made several appearances on offense, but Louisville couldn't find a way to get the ball in his hands. It wasn't a bad game by any measure, but rather one of those nights where the opposing team doesn't test the best player on the other side of the ball. That's from Mike Roach, 24-7 National Recruiting Analyst. So that's kind of what you expect a little bit, right? Um, at that level, you got a four-star safety on one side. It's, we are not going to let this guy make big plays to beat us. We'll just throw away from him. Yeah, exactly. And that's honestly like the reason you don't hear a whole lot about the Sooners' defensive back commits or targets and what they're doing on Friday nights is because, well, if they're doing their job and the opponents respect them, they're not doing much of anything. Malik Hawkins, for instance, he's barely been thrown at this season. He's been targeted maybe three or four times. Did I so, did I see him post something uh, Texas like he's going on a visit soon? Malik Hawkins. He was at Texas this past. He was Saturday. at Texas this yeah. past weekend. So OU gets Peyton Bowen's little brother Eli Bowen. He commits to OU what a month, a month and a half ago. What are OU's chances of getting Malik Hawkins, Mike Hawkins' little brother? Is this is this like Eli Bowen? Is it going to be OU in Texas? A two-team race here? I, look, I can see it being OU in Texas because he has a lot of respect for Texas and the program that they have built in our building. But, I, look, it's going to be very hard. I mean very hard for that kid to end up anywhere but Oklahoma. I mean, the dad – it's a little bit different from the Bowen they're situation. They're an OU family, they're, they're an OU family, yeah. And, it's, and uh, Big Bro's going to go up there and play quarterback and maybe be the backup quarterback next year. He could be QB, too. For OU next season. It's not it's not a crazy thought. Uh, Kyle in Broken Arrows says, Is it true that Venable said, quote, Oh boy, Ewer's mama is so stupid she thought a quarterback was a refund? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kyle, that is, that, that, that is true. <laughs> oh man, good, good content. Ooh. Drew from Flower out. Mound says, Well, Louisville also has a corner committed to Arizona State who probably ha- helps make Louisville cut off uh, that side of the field. That is correct. Tony Lewis Nakuba, he is committed to Arizona State. So, real hard to get anything done through the air against that Louisville secondary. The recruiting doomer says, did Jonathan Hatton commit? Yes. Uh, that boy committed. Yes. Yes, top five running back in the 2026 class, four-star running back, Jonathan Hatton. I'm still waiting uh, for someone to update the 2026 rankings because OU is going to be in the top five in, uh, in that one as well. And what, 24, I think they're ranked, uh, in the 2024 class, they're ranked six on rivals currently. But they are off to one heck of a start in 2025, man. Um, it was a big weekend for 2025 visitors. They've got a top five class already. And it feels like every day, Parker, I see, well, here's another offer that goes out to a 2025 prospect. Um, they, they recently had an offer out to a kid from Columbus, Ohio. I think maybe that was today. But they are getting they're, – they're going to be ahead of the change in the 25 class like they haven't been in a couple of these first full cycles, it feels like. feels like we could get to February or March next year and say, oh, man, they've already got like seven, eight commits at this point. they got five currently. They could have seven, eight commits by the end of the month. Yeah, maybe. Tyler. Yeah, seriously. Straight up. Like, it would not shock me at all if we are turning the calendar from 2023 to 2024 – and Oklahoma already has double-digit commits and the number one class in the 2025 cycle. On that, I forgot to ask you yesterday about Desan Brame. I believe you saw him over the weekend in the state of Kansas. Good player, huh? Yeah, real good player. And 
very projectable frame. He's six foot six, every inch is six foot six, and two hundred and twenty five pounds. Little bit underdeveloped relative to other tight ends in the class, like Nate Roberts, for instance. Like from a physical standpoint, Nate Roberts just has a lot more muscle mass right now than a guy like Desan Brame. But it's a lot easier to bulk up than to cut weight, and so. When you have a guy like Brame who's got the frame, got the nastiness, got the strength and the pass-catching ability, I, he may already be top five in the nation at tight end, according to some recruiting services. I'll bet you by the end of it all, when the cycle wraps, he's top five across the board. He's so, a very good player. So we've been talking at, at 24 of, hey, this is the best defensive line haul OU's gotten since? Well, it's been a long time. 2025 could be the best tight end haul ever. Right? I mean, there's a chance they could get two top five tight ends in that class. Nate Roberts and Desan Brain. I'm guessing they would take both of those guys. They're recruiting both of them heavily. They will take both of those guys happily. happily. I, and I think both of those guys would have a legit chance at being a top five tight end. Especially, you know, Nate Roberts for sure. Um, but I think Desan Brain could as well. That'd yeah, be that's a like, heck of a that's, tight end class. That's a Georgia-level tight end class right there. Think, think, of, think of this. Um, in a couple of years, and I, I guess it depends on... You know, what happens to guys like Jaden Gibson or whatever, but theoretically, you could have, on the field at the same time, you could have Desan Brame, who, what'd you say, 6'5", 6'6"? You could have Ivan Carrion out there, who's every bit of 6'5", 6'6". You could have Jaden Gibson that's out there. Uh, they are recruiting some um, some elite size at the wide receiver and tight end position right now. And then, oh, by the way, Nick Anderson's not a small guy either and can kind of do everything. Oh, man, and to think you still got another two years, well, hopefully, at least another two years of Nick Anderson, to think you have hopefully two more years of Jaden Gibson. A lot of these guys that are contributing right now for Oklahoma, Brennan Thompson, he was in the same – remember the same class as Freeman uh, and Anderson and Jaden Gibson. Gavin Freeman is a guy we haven't talked about a whole heck of a lot either, and he's as much of a playmaker as Oklahoma has on the roster. So – the future of the wide receiver room is very, very bright, and you're not losing much once this season wraps up. You will lose Drake Stoops. That's probably it. Like Most everybody else is coming back. So as good as this wide receiver room is right now, Tyler, just think about how good it's going to be at this time next yeah, year. seriously. Jimmy and Edmund, uh, one more before we hit a break. Jimmy and Edmund says, hey, guys, so let me ask you this. Been asking everyone, can OU win – with our running the ball. I believe this game will be hard-hitting defensive game. I am thinking low scoring like 24-21. to I think OU wins the game 24-21, and we lose the Big 12 championship game to Texas at the end of the year. Oh, no, Jimmy. Just believe the defense is going to bring it hard this weekend. So the question is, can OU win with our running the ball? Um, I, I have seen running backs emerge in this game before. In fact, a guy... That was in studio earlier today. Ronnie Anderson stopped by. Ronnie Anderson emerged in this exact game in 2017. That's right. He was kind of an afterthought at that point, and he emerged in this game, and then, boom, he takes off for the rest of the year. So it has happened before. I find it hilarious that Jimmy was like, yeah, they'll win this weekend, but then they're going to lose the Big 12 championship. Yeah, I know. They're going to win behind dominating defense, but not in the Big 12 championship He had me in the first half, not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think um, I think OU can win with the run game because Texas run game looked better, a lot better against Kansas. But this isn't Bijan Robinson in, in the backfield for them. They, they just don't have 
the two backs, those type of backs that they had last year. And I don't think Texas is just terrible running the ball, but the numbers going into last Saturday were pretty comparable between the two teams. And by the way, OU's run defense is real good, man. They haven't allowed a rushing touchdown all year long. So I think OU's going to hold up just fine against the Texas run game. Quinn Ewers, Jonathan Brooks, whoever it is. 405-651-3439. So many texts to get to next segment. We'll do that on the other side, right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick, GMC, in El, Reno, in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. They sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. It's Dorsey Jones, Buick, GMC, in El Reno. And hey, we hope to see everyone on Friday and Saturday, too, but really on Friday at the Omni in downtown Dallas, 555 South Lamar Street. We'll be live uh, from the Omni all day long, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, you're going to be there uh, with me this year. I'll be there, baby. Yeah, that's going to be fun, man. Uh, we'll be there 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. pre- and post-game after the game on Saturday. Beat Texas Week brought to you by Board Street Ventures, under the radar, above the crowd. Going to be uh, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, okay. Adam from ATX says, still think it's very possible OU and Texas have a path to both make the playoff, even if both lose one. Wouldn't it be crazy if they play three times in their final year and one is for the national championship? Oh boy, we're already going there, huh? Yeah, already. <laughs> hey, is first this... first undefeated matchup since, uh, what is it, 2011? Which is that predates right? the CFP, so like, yeah. this is really the first time this conversation, or that question could even be asked, but... Yeah, I guess. The it's, SEC it is theoretically possible. The SEC imploding this year has uh, made it uh, at least a little bit a little bit more possible. Though uh, the Big Ten looks pretty strong right now with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. You said the SEC imploding, and my first thought was, imploding? Really? But then I thought about it, and I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, the SEC is kind of imploding. Yeah, LSU's got two losses. Bama has uh, a loss already. Tennessee has a loss already. SEC not... It doesn't seem as strong as it's been in uh, in recent years. No, the only undefeateds in the SEC would be, what, Georgia and Kentucky? Is that it? Georgia and – oh, God. I don't even want oh. to say it. I don't know. <laughs> we're not saying it. They are not undefeated. I refuse to believe that they are actually you're not acknowledging. You're not acknowledging them as a real member of the SEC? I am not. I'm not a, no, they're not a real member of the SEC. But when Arian and Ryan Wingo will be in uh, Columbia this weekend for yes. visits. Yes. Okay, r- real quick on Winery. Because when Hayes Fawcett tweeted that out today, I did see a lot of, Williams Winery, come on down! Was, there's no way it's Williams Winery. Yeah, if, if it were to happen, okay? And like, all capital letters, the, all two of them, if it happens. Is it going to happen late in the cycle, very late in the cycle, like on signing day or potentially even in January or February? Like, it's not imminent, like it could happen in the next week. But is it going to go down to the very end if he flips to OU? I, I think it will. I, this is a flip that if it happens, and look, I'd love to be wrong, and I like obviously this is this is very obviously not off intel. This is off gut feeling. But I would imagine that if the kid were to flip, it would be on signing day. Yeah. 
or he would just not even announce it and just sign paperwork with Oklahoma and let the football program announce that he was a member of the signing class. Because given how all of this has transpired, that would be the easiest way out of the whole Missouri situation if that's the route he wanted to go. I, it, just, it just feels like it would be signing day um, just, just for how it's going right now and because of the NIL situation that we know about in the state of Missouri. Uh, Chase and OC says OU defense is going to get in Quinn Ewers' head big time. I am predicting three turnovers by Ewers alone. Dang, three turnovers by Quinn Ewers. I like the confidence it's, there, Chase. It's feasible. That. Like, that's attainable. Oklahoma is averaging two interceptions a game through five games. They've got ten of them. You know, last year it was, you know, they were just so close so many times to coming up with the big play defensively. Uh, like, they're not, like, they're taking advantage of opportunities this year. You're not seeing them drop interceptions. Gosh, saying, man. Like, really? Like, they, they are ball hawking this year. And it is so night and day different from everything we have been accustomed to seeing in the defensive backfield from Oklahoma. The type of defensive back play that we are accustomed to watching the Sooners is Parnell Motley and Trey Norwood face guarding 40 yards down the field. Yep. Or Patrick Fields, love him to death, man, but dropped three interceptions in the same game at one point back in 2021. That's what we've become accustomed to from the Oklahoma secondary, and that is not at all what we are seeing thus far in 2023. 405 as Texas faced a quarterback the caliber of Dylan Gabriel. No. Not this year. I mean, different types of players. If Jalen Daniels would have played, you say, well, like talent level, yes. But the last time Texas faced a quarterback the caliber of Dylan Gabriel, and I'm not saying DG's better than this guy, but they faced Michael Penix Jr. in the bowl game last year. He's a a really good player. But in terms of this year, I'm sorry, Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Milrow are not similar players. (laughs) Dylan Gabriel is... A much more, much better passer than uh, than Milrow is. Important obscure game note: Texas lost the last game they played against a left-handed quarterback. That is true, Michael Penix Jr. Hey, how about that? Do you buy into? And I'm actually going to ask Bob Stoops this uh, coming up next hour at 3:20. Speaking of Dylan Gabriel, yeah. Do you buy the whole man? It's his first start in this game. It's a big deal. Texas has an advantage, a big advantage, that their quarterback has played in this game before and OU's hasn't. Yeah, I don't know if it's a big advantage. I think, honestly, there's – there's, huh, how do I phrase this properly to convey what I'm thinking? There's an equally significant chance that Dylan Gabriel might be better suited to play in this environment than Quinn Ewers because he is so blissfully ignorant of what it's like to be in that environment, and he's not piling pressure upon himself over it. So, I I don't know. From that standpoint, I don't know. If he but, was a freshman or even a, you know, second-year you know player, then I, I think that's where it really matters. If you're talking about a guy playing in this game for the first time, and he hasn't started that many games. Like Dylan Gabriel's. I'm not saying that he started very many games in an atmosphere like this, but he's played a lot of college football games before, and I think he just had his best game in an OU uniform last Saturday. Yeah. Back to the Michael Penix Jr. comment. I always find it hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that we have such obscure statistical data in today's day and age. I, at his press conference today. Brent Venables mentioned that Dylan Gabriel is the first player to complete over 75% of his passes. Or, no, 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 the sixth player since 1995 
to complete 75% of his passes, throw 15 or more touchdowns, and have two or fewer interceptions in his first five games. I'm just like, who did the research on that? Seriously. He has a lot of analytical data or just data stats at his disposal, you know? He does. I'm just like, man, we, we, we've got parameters for everything these days as far as stats and data go. Sooner Studi says, everyone just talks about DG being out versus Texas last year, but weren't we short on defense too, including Billy Bowman? Yes. My score prediction, 54-12 OU. Yeah, Billy Bowman got hurt, what, the week before on a kickoff return, if I remember correctly, against TCU? Yeah, Is that right? I can't remember what the – comprehensive injury situation was for Oklahoma at that time. I know he wasn't the only starter they were missing on defense. It was to the point where, and I didn't remember this until last night, but Woody Washington was asked in his scrum, hey, who'd you spend the majority of the game covering last year against Texas? And Woody was like, well, I actually played safety that day, so (laughs) I didn't really cover anybody. And then I I remember Jalil Farouk getting hurt at one point in that game as well. It 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 was just a complete disaster. Complete disaster. Yeah, it was a wreck. Sarks Vodka says, after Saturday, Tawi and Gabriel will gain national attention. Neither will win awards, but they will be the reason our offense has success. Stutzman and the defense will give fans official confidence. Sooners win 31-28. Sark, um, I definitely agree with a lot of that, um, especially the Gabriel part. He's around six, seven, eight on most people's like Heisman you know, list right now. He'll be in the uh, top five if uh, he plays well and OU wins on Saturday. He will. And that's that's the key stipulation. If he plays well and yes, got OU wins. Both, both have to happen. There. Because, make no mistake, if both quarterbacks have strong performances, whoever wins the game will largely dictate which of those two guys is getting the Heisman hype. Well, yeah, sa- same thing for Quinn Ewers. Yep. He, he plays well and wins. He'll be... What Caleb Williams is one right now. Penix um, is two. Penix is two. Maybe Bo Nix is three. And then, uh, I mean, Ewers would be right there, right there in that mix. Uh, the defense is going to be the reason why Caleb Williams doesn't win a second Heisman Trophy, by the way. That, no, 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 no. Caleb Williams is going to win a second Heisman Trophy. The defense is going to be why Caleb Williams never sniffs the college football playoff. I don't know. I think, uh, I think they're going to lose too many games. And I can't wait for the headline in the L.A. Times by Bill Plaschke. It's going to be great. <laughs> 405-651-3439. Final segment of Locked In coming up next. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we are the homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. Big recruiting news of the day. 2026 four-star running back Jonathan Hatton out of San Antonio commits to OU. I was surprised. You were surprised. Was the coaching staff surprised when this one was released today? <laughs> yeah, again. I, were they all like, uh, Hayes Fawcett just tweeted something out, and we don't know who it's in reference to. Yeah, a lot, lot of people did not know that was happening. But, I, I mean, hey, you'd rather have a pleasant surprise than an unpleasant one, and that definitely falls in the pleasant category. Dude, this is golden content. Ooh, somebody, somebody on Twitter still runs the old BCS formula to rank the college football teams. And so they that's, just put out. That's a, something I'd be into. Gosh, they just put out a tweet with the top twenty-five according to the BCS right now. First off, you want to guess where Oklahoma is? Uh, well, the strength of schedule is not great. I would guess OU is. I'm going to guess OU would be at thirteen on this. Way low. They're actually at number seven. Oh, number seven yeah. according to the BCS formula. Uh, would you care to guess? Who is number one right now in college football, according to the BCS? I would guess that the University of Texas is number one. Guess again. 
Washington. Guess again. USC. Another one. I don't. I don't know who's who, who's number one. <laughs> you probably could have guessed twenty times and you wouldn't have come up with the correct answer. Miami. What? Miami is number one right now, according to the BCS formula. Hmm, maybe we don't need to bring back the BCS then if Miami's number one. Florida State is sitting at number 13, one spot behind Liberty. It's Miami's best win. Uh, A&M at home so far? They played. Hey, strength of schedule, man. Strength of schedule. Washington State's at number three, by the way. Texas is second. Jeez. That, 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 what a wild 14 playoff that would be. Happy commit-versary to Kennedy Brooks. Seven years ago today, he committed to OU. Just a three-star, according to 24-7 Sports, but Kennedy Brooks never looked like necessarily the fastest player on the field, the most explosive player. Dude was just productive, man. He just, yeah. he just got you yards. I mean, he wasn't going to run away from anybody. And shoot, I... I'm old enough to remember back in 2021 when he actually got run down from behind and the ball knocked loose. And I thought, you know, we all kind of thought at that point that was going to spell doom for Oklahoma, but it ended up getting overturned on replay review. The Sooners completed the comeback. But, yeah, man, Kennedy Brooks is a guy that is criminally underappreciated for what he accomplished in an Oklahoma uniform. His career average yards per carry, I don't know it off the top of my head, I know it was in the neighborhood of seven yards. Yeah. If Oklahoma had a back on their roster right now that was averaging anything close to what Kennedy Brooks averaged as far as yards per carry, our biggest question mark heading into this weekend would not exist. Tell me, uh, we got about 30 seconds here, your quick takeaway. Teams with the most blue-chip players on defense right now in the 24 class. Oregon and Florida, number one at nine. Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, and Auburn uh, with seven. A&M, OU, Michigan, Penn State at six. OU's at least in that kind of top half there for most blue-chip players on defense for 24. And they're starting to play like it, which is an encouraging sight if you're a Sooner fan. Yeah, playing like it on the actual field, recruiting like it in the 24-25 class. Uh, Bob Stoops joins us at 320. The rush is next right here on The Ref.